Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to an all-new edition of the Metropolitan Report. My name is Alfred Tarsar Jr., and today is Monday, June 14th, 2021. And here on this podcast, we talk about any and everything New York Mets. Just a reminder, the Metropolitan Report is a proud member of the Studious Minds Podcast Network. And on today's program, we're going to review this past weekend's San Diego Padres series where the Mets uh, hosted the San Diego Padres for three games. And we're going to look ahead to the upcoming Chicago Cubs series that starts in a couple of hours. Um, We're going to talk about things we saw that we liked and that we didn't like, as always. So uh, let's start off with uh, Friday, the game Friday. Um, The Mets hosted the Padres in game one of the series. The Mets, uh, the good news is they won the series. They won the series two games to one. Um, San Diego is a contending team there. Currently um, top three in the National League West. Uh, they're, they're not a team to um, uh, sleep on. Uh, the Padres, as of today, entering today, are nine games above five hundred, uh, with a record of 38-29. and 29. They are three games behind the San Francisco Giants in the National League West. And the Mets uh, entering today. Currently in first place in the National League East, uh, second place, thirty-two and thirty-one. So now there's a second team that has cracked over five hundred in the National League East. Philadelphia Phillies, who we have to worry about now because they've been red hot. Uh, they've won their last four games, but Friday night, Jacob Degrom on the hill, he went up against Joe Musgrove. Musgrove, who threw a no-hitter earlier this season, so that was a good pitching matchup, and it was a pitcher's duel. The Mets won that one with a final score of 3-2. to two. Uh, Jacob deGrom pitched masterfully. Uh, six scoreless innings. Uh, also at the plate, he had a two-RBI uh, single, so he, he drove in two runs uh, off the strength of one base hit and uh, didn't allow any runs. Uh, six scoreless innings. However, there was some cause for concern uh, because in that game, Jacob DeGrom left after the sixth inning. Uh, he had a elbow, elbow discomfort uh, after the game. Uh, they they went to do ligament tests and uh, MRIs. The MRI came back clean Saturday morning. But anytime you see the ace of the team, and this is a guy who almost every time he starts, it's guaranteed for the Mets to get a, vi- to get a victory. So anytime you see the ace of the staff uh, depart so early when you know he's capable of pitching into the seventh, pitching into the eighth. Um, it's a cause for concern, especially because DeGrom has already been on the injured list once this season. Uh, however, MRI came back clean. He's scheduled to make his next start on Wednesday against the Cubs. So that's always a good sign. Uh, Miguel Castro, the reliever, um, only threw seven pitches. Didn't, didn't get past seven pitches in, in relief of DeGrom. Uh, to start the seventh inning, and uh, he gave up a, a two-run home run to Jake Cronenworth. And uh, when Luis Rojas went to pull him, apparently uh, Castro had some neck discomfort. So that's also uh, a bad sign, uh, a bad sign there. Uh, Castro uh, again didn't even didn't even make it out of the inning. Uh, only only pitched a third of an inning. Uh, only got one out. He gave up uh, two runs on two hits there. And uh, that Cronenworth home run uh, cut the lead to one. Luckily, the Mets were able to uh, hold off the Padres for the rest of the game. 
and uh, take home the victory. And, and that game was monumental because when DeGrom was in the game, the Padres didn't look like a top team in baseball. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who arguably, in my whole humble opinion, is the, the best shortstop in all of baseball. No knock to our guy, Francisco Lindor, but uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., a superstar in the sport, uh, the best shortstop in all of baseball and a perennial MVP candidate. Uh, he, he he looked foolish against DeGrom, struck out twice. DeGrom faced him twice, got him both times, bo both times swinging at that. And uh, yeah, DeGrom just looked great. And, and my biggest concern, I'm, I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad he's scheduled to make his next start because if DeGrom misses time, I mean, yeah, we still have Stroman and we still have Walker, but the way this rotation is, anytime that Lucchese or Peterson starts, you gotta you gotta be a little nervous there, and we'll, we'll get to that in a in a little bit. Speaking of Lucchese, um, then we fast forward to the very next day, Saturday, uh, Marcus Stroman on the bump for the for the Mets, and he too had a solid outing. Uh, he only allowed one run in that game. The Mets won four to one, and the only run that San Diego was able to score in that game uh, came in the top of the seventh when uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. homered off of uh, Marcus Stroman. But other than that, the the Padres' offense was very quiet, and uh, Marcus Stroman pitched remarkably well. So again, um, and, and shout out to Edwin Diaz, by the way, who pitched in both of the games Friday and Saturday back-to-back uh, Diaz had a four out save, uh, on Friday night. He came in in the bot he came in in the, um, in the top of the eighth, uh, with two outs, got that one out and then got three outs in the, in the top of the ninth. And then again, Saturday, top of the ninth, three out perfect inning. So, uh, Edwin Diaz looking real good. He's, and for those people who say, um, who have been critics, harsh critics of Edwin Diaz, I myself too was a harsh critic of Edwin Diaz last year and in 2019, but you can't argue he's only blown one save all year. And, um, we're in the third month of baseball for the season. Uh, also, uh, Diaz, uh, the velocity on his fastball is there. His slider has uh, great movement and he should, he's getting guys out. He's striking guys out. Uh, Edwin Diaz, again, only one blown save, uh, so far this year. He's, He's looking like the Edwin Diaz that we that we came to know in Seattle that uh that we traded for in uh back in uh the winter of 2019. So uh, absolutely I'm I'm very very impressed with uh Diaz this season. Uh so let's let's get to uh the offensive performances here uh in these games. So Friday, of course, Jacob DeGrom had the the two RBIs, uh, you can't really say much more about DeGrom. DeGrom's doing it all. Um, he's pitching, he's batting, he's driven in more runs at the plate than he's allowed on the mound, which is phenomenal. That's practically unheard of. Um, I'm calling it now. If Jacob DeGrom can avoid the injured list and keep this up, I'm predicting he's going to win a pitching triple crown. By triple crown, I mean... He's going to get an MVP, he's going to get a Cy Young, and he's going to get a Silver Slugger. And when when contract time comes up uh, uh, next at the end of next year, they better pay that man. But uh, DeGrom, who, as he has gotten older, he has gotten better. Um, 
he, he's a pitcher that uh, that strikes fear in the hearts of these batters. And for everybody saying that, oh, he uses uh, foreign substances, that that's that's complete BS. Um, we saw on Twitter how uh, a fan, uh, or well, I don't even call him a fan, some goof, tried to say that, uh, oh, DeGrom touches his belt before every pitch. And uh, the entire team, Tomas, Nito, Marcus, Stroman, Kevin Pillar, uh, and a bunch of other guys all came to, to DeGrom's defense on that one. So, uh, I, I, those, those rumors, uh, some people just, it's, it's just crazy. People just try to discredit uh, people as much as they can instead of enjoying the greatness that we, that we see before us. But that's my prediction for DeGrom. MVP, Cy Young, Silver Slugger. If he could keep it up and stay off the injury list, that's that's my prediction. Jacob DeGrom um, has set a Major League Baseball record. Nobody else in the history of, of baseball has done this. Uh, Jacob DeGrom has an ERA of 0.56 through his first 10 starts of the season. No Major League Baseball starting pitcher has had an ERA that low through 10 starts. Not Randy Johnson, not Roger Clemens, not Kurt Schilling, um, not Sandy Koufax, not Greg Maddox, not Tom Glavin. Um, the list can go on and on and on. You can name all the greats that, that you want, but no pitcher has, has, has done that. And there have been many great pitchers. And as far as his performance this season... No pitcher in the league comes close. Uh, Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers is second in ERA, but his ERA is 1.29. And like I've said before, look at all the other quote-unquote aces around the league. Some of them come close, but they're not touching DeGrom, especially not his productivity at the plate. Or ERA, Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw, Shane Bieber, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. Um, Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, none of them. For as much as I didn't like Brody Van Wagenen as the GM of the New York Mets, the greatest thing that he did in his tenure, in that two years that he was running the show in Flushing, him extending Jacob deGrom was perhaps uh, a, a, a great gift, I, I shall say. But uh, moving on from, from the DeGrom praise train, um, again, Marcus Stroman pitching well. Um, his performance, again, on Saturday, as I said earlier, uh, fantastic. Only gave up the one run off the Tatis home run. I, nothing bad to say there. Um, again, uh, what, what more can you say but Sunday? Oh, boy. Let's talk about yesterday. The Mets, now, the line score, or the box score, would suggest that the Mets got clobbered on Sunday. They did lose the game um, 7-3, to but here's the story behind that, and I'll, I'll, I'll shape the story for those who didn't see the game. So, the Mets were up 2-1, to going into the top of the 7th. Jerry's Familia was called in to pitch the top of the sixth after uh, Luis Rojas pulled Joey Lucchese. By the way, Lucchese uh, in this game 
uh, had a phenomenal start, his best start of the year so far. He pitched five innings, allowed one run on four hits, only walked one batter, and struck out six. The only run he allowed was a leadoff home run in the top of the first um, to Tommy Pham. Beyond that, he pitched reasonably well, and if it were up to me, I would have left him in there. But anyway, uh, Jerry's Familia comes in, uh, gets into a jam, runners on first and second, with one out, he gets out of the inning, no run scored, and then they trot Familia back out there uh, in the top of the seventh. Reason being uh, is because in the bottom of the inning, Duop was the pitcher spot, and I'm assuming that because uh, the pitcher spot was due up, they didn't want to put a, another reliever uh, into the game and only have him pitch one inning, and then he would be done because obviously you would have to pinch um, the pitcher spot for a batter. What happens in that inning? Runners on second and third. This is all with uh, two out, by the way. And Familia walks a man to load the bases. The very next batter walks a man to to bring in the tying run. So now it's two to two. Walk Tommy Pham to to bring in the uh, the tying run, and then Fernando Tatis Jr. comes up with the bases loaded, and there was the grand slam that broke the game open. And by that point, it was already too late. At that point, six to two. So, now, Familia did not give up the Grand Slam, but he was responsible for bringing in the tying run. He was responsible for the bases loaded. And Jacob Barnes got brought into the game, and he gave up the Grand Slam to Tatis. And, and to make matters worse, the very next batter, Manny Machado, hit a solo home run. So they had back-to-back -back homers, five RBIs between two hits. Uh, again, the, the, the managing here was very, very puzzling. Uh, again, as, as we do every time on this program when there are questionable managerial decisions as of late, we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth. So, uh, hey, guys, uh, roll a clip of what Luis Rojas had to say after the game when he was questioned about his bullpen managing decisions. Uh, no, no, I, I, I wanted him uh, facing Pham in that, in, that, uh, in that spot. I mean, as you know, we're also short in the... Um, on the bench, we we were minus two guys, uh, and the pitcher spot was up next. I mean, it was uh, Familia didn't give up a run yet. He was coming back, uh, even though from tough scenarios, he had the first and second no out, and then later turned into a second and third two outs. And we thought he had Profar in a really good position, and he went to his slider uh, repeatedly, and that's when Profar laid off and was able to walk, even in the three-two count. Uh, we felt that you know he could come in and attack Fam and. You know, get fam out with his stuff, um, get out of the inning and maybe bridge uh, into the eighth and then nine probably have made close the game for us. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And, you know, the walk came and then we, we uh, then we made the change and we had to bring Mars in that position just to finish the inning. We had to make a change right after that inning just because of the pitcher spot. Yeah, we were probably looking at another time around as well, but we didn't have Castro, Diaz, Lugo, um, Luke, um, we just didn't have any of those guys uh, available tonight. And, you know, for us to, for the other innings left, we have a couple innings left in the game. And to go through this lineup, we needed May to close the door in a one-run game. So uh, the top process there was 
the way Familia's been pitching. I know he's, he's had traffic in the two innings. He's been high stress, but he's gotten big outs in his career. So we felt that he was going to get another big out there to close the, to close the seven for us. So here's my issue with Rojas. You have to manage to win the game. And I felt like in this game yesterday, he did not manage to win the game. What I mean by that is, you're facing a top team. You're currently in first place by four games, well, four games going into yesterday. You're trying to to gain some distance between you and the second place team that's surging in your division. What I don't understand is, yes, I understand the pitcher spot is coming up in in the bottom of the inning. But what does it matter? You put you put your 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 best reliever available on the mound to prevent the other team from scoring runs. At one point, Familia topped 40 pitches. So obviously he's tired. And and Rojas said it. He was throwing his slider and Jerickson Profar wasn't swinging. Tommy Pham came up, the guy who Familia who who he wanted Familia to face. And he wasn't swinging. I was there live in the stands. Those pitches weren't going anywhere near the strike zone. So if you see that your reliever is laboring and he and he looks gassed, visibly gassed, why not pull him? Who cares if if, if the next guy up in the bullpen, the next man up, is, is only going to get one out and then he's out of the game for the rest of the game? You coach, you manage, you make decisions to win the game. You were up two to one. After he walked the bases loaded, that's that that's when, when Familia should have been pinched. That's when he should have been pulled. And then even so, he walked the next man and now he tied the game. And that's when you decided to pull him, when, once damage was already done. You could have put the band-aid on the wound and the blood would have stopped leaking out of the wound. But instead, you left it untreated and you bled out. And then also, I don't understand... You 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 were saving Trevor May for a save situation. Trevor May hasn't pitched in over a week. The last time we saw Trevor May, he blew a save in Arizona. We haven't seen Trevor May since June 6th. Now, I understand Lugo pitched two games in a row, so he's unavailable. Diaz pitches two games in a row, unavailable. Castro is out hurt. Okay, we get it. But... It's just, it's just frustrating because... It just, Rojas just makes these boneheaded decisions sometimes. And again, if I was the manager, once Familia walked the bases loaded, I would have pulled him. But you wait till after he walked into tying run to pull him. And then out of all people, you put Jacob Barnes in? It just doesn't make any sense. No sense whatsoever. I mean, if you wanted to use Trevor May... Why didn't you just go, again, you have to manage to win the game. You could have put Trevor May in and then went to somebody else. But but here's possible things that the Mets and Rojas could have done um, instead of leaving Familia out there way longer than he should have been. Uh, option one, they could have let Joey Lucchese pitch deeper into the game. Um, yesterday's start for Lucchese was his longest outing since 2019. He was pitching well. Why would you pull him if he was pitching well? He only walked one, struck out six, 
and only allowed one run. And five out of the last six batters, he struck him out. So I, I, I didn't understand that logic there. And it, I mean, Lucchese, they, they never, they, it's like they have a leash on Lucchese and I don't understand it. They don't, they usually don't let him go more than four innings, which does, again, doesn't make sense to me. Over his last four starts, his ERA is 1.56. But for some reason, I guess he didn't want Lucchese to face Tatis Machado and, and the heart of that Padres order a third time around in the same game. Uh, Rojas, the second thing he could have done, he could have went to Jacob Barnes sooner. Once he saw Familia laboring in the seventh, um, he could have brought Barnes in to face Tommy Pham. But instead, after walking pro far to load the bases, he left Familia out there and... Once again, Familia tried to get him to chase, throwing balls outside the zone, didn't work, walked in the tying run. So, that I didn't understand. Or, the third option, they could have used someone else. Uh, Jacob Barnes on the year has a 5.40 ERA. Um, I believe he is the least effective reliever the Mets have in their bullpen. Uh, and the only reason why he survived being... A roster casualty when Seth Lugo came back is because Sean Reed Foley still has minor league options. If Reed Foley didn't have any options, Reed Foley, I don't even know how he got sent down because he has a 1.98 ERA this season. He was pitching phenomenally, and because he has minor league options, he had to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, I would rather have a Sean Reed Foley over Jacob Barnes any day. But, uh, again, Barnes has a 5.40 uh, ERA, no minor league option, so that's how he survived. Um, also, they could have went, and like I said, they could have went to Trevor May instead of saving him for a save situation. Um, or they could have went to Drew Smith, who they used for the last two innings of the game, who pitched reasonably well. But, again, Rojas opted to go with Barnes, who sent back, who allowed back-to-back -back homers to Tatis and Machado. Uh, Barnes... Entering today, his ERA is now 6.27. In a, in a game that was very winnable, had Rojas just managed in an effort to win the game. And you can really tell Rojas gave up because in the bottom of the ninth, uh, when it was uh, the pitcher spot up, instead of putting a position player to pinch hit, he used Robert Gesellman. He used a bullpen pitcher to take a pinch hit at bat. And that's another guy that he could have used out of the pen. He could have threw Gesellman in there, but I don't know. Rojas, in the last few weeks, he's made some, some frustrating and questionable managing decisions. But enough about Rojas and his incompetent managing, because if I keep going on, I'm going to get an aneurysm. So we're going to take a break so I don't get an aneurysm. And when we come back, We'll, we'll talk about some Met prospects, and we will focus on the Cubs series, and I'll make some predictions. You're listening to the Metropolitan Report. I'm Alfred Parsar Jr. What's up, y'all? This is Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even Podcast. I'm tuning in with my man, Alfred, host of the Metropolitan Report. That's the only place that I get my Mets news from. Tap in, because trust me, that's crazy. Do you have an event that needs a design? How about planning? 
You can take care of all your event needs with ARJ Signature Design, run by Alnisa Reed Jenkins, where you can get custom floral designs, event designs, set designs, as well as retail and commercial installs. You can get all that done by Alnisa Reed Jenkins of ARJ Signature Design with event planning and event designing and is also a family-run business. Again, that's ARJ Signature Design. And you can go ahead and get your free consultation by contacting Miss Reed Jenkins at arjsignaturedesign.com. They do a great job. And again, if you need any event florals, custom floral designs, or a set design, whether you're commercial, retail, or personal, ARJ Signature Design can get the job done for you. Again, that's arjsignaturedesign.com for your free consultation now. And we're back on the Metropolitan Report. Uh, I'm Alfred Parsar Jr. And before the break, we did say we were going to talk about some uh, Mets minor leaguers and uh, look at the schedule ahead. However, before we do that, um, some injury updates for everybody. Um, number one, um, Billy McKinney, who missed uh, Saturday and yesterday, uh, is expected to play today. He had a sore right knee. Uh, after Friday, but he's expected to give it a go after two days of rest. Uh, Jonathan VR not injured, but he's away from the team due to a family issue, uh, but not officially injured. He just will miss a couple of games. Uh, and then a few rehab assignments for the Mets. Um, Jeff McNeil uh, yesterday uh, was suited up for the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, he went 0 for 2. In two at-bats, he played uh, four innings of baseball. And uh, he hasn't played since a left hamstring strain on May 16th. Uh, he's going to spend one week in Brooklyn, and then he will be back with the Mets next weekend. So Jeff McNeil, the Flying Squirrel, will be back. Uh, Michael Conforto is about a week away from uh, starting a uh, rehab stint. Uh, Conforto is expected back at the end of this month. And here's a name that we haven't said much on the Metropolitan Report. Dylan Batances. Uh, Dylan Batances uh, was the starting pitcher in his rehab assignment for the St. Lucie Mets of low A baseball. So uh, Batances, Conforto, McNeil all on rehab assignments. Uh, Batances is very interesting. He's only pitched in one game so far this season. Uh, he was a high-profile signing. Everybody remembers his his days as one of the hardest-throwing relievers in the history of Yankees baseball in recent memory. Um, of course, injuries have de have somewhat derailed him, but uh, when he was one of Brody Van Wagenen's signings, and big things were expected out of Batances. Um, I, I don't think anybody's expecting his fastball to reach 100 miles per hour ever again, but... Um, there's still some expectations there, and um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into this bullpen once he comes back, but again, he's rehabbing in St. Lucie, and Jeff McNeil rehabbing in Brooklyn. Also, um, I said we were going to talk about some minor leaguers, so for the first time here on a Metropolitan Report, we've got a minor league report for you. So, let's talk about Brett Beatty. Uh, Brett Beatty, who... The Mets have uh, high hopes for, um, touted as the third baseman of the future. Uh, he was drafted in the first round, 12th overall in the 2019 MLB draft. 
and he's uh, currently with the Brooklyn Cyclones, which is the Mets' high A affiliate. And in 2021, this year so far, 102 at bats, he's batting 324. 324, uh, which is great. That's phenomenal. That means he's killing it down there in Brooklyn uh, at Maimonides Park. And uh, in those 102 at bats, batting 324, five home runs, 29 RBI. He has an OPS of 980. So these are, I mean, I, I get it. It's just high A ball, but you got to remember the guys he's playing against, they're all on the same level, and he's destroying that competition. Um, don't be surprised if you see Brett Beatty um, promoted to double-A Binghamton before this year is up. Uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Batting 324. A lot of guys in the majors not even cracking 300 nowadays. So uh, Brett Beatty looking real impressive here. And uh, another Brooklyn Cyclone to watch out for is uh, Brett Beatty's teammate, the catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Uh, Francisco Alvarez also killing it this season. Uh, Alvarez killing it in Brooklyn as well. Uh, 98 at bats, batting 327 with five home runs, 22 RBIs. And he's got three stolen bases. A catcher? Typically, catchers are not fast. I mean, we have seen some catchers who can steal a base, like Jorge Alfaro or JT Realmuto, but um, that that's not bad. And uh, he has an OPS of 1.022, so uh, on base plus slugging. Um, so Beatty and Alvarez getting it done. And if that's the future of the New York Mets, then the future is looking bright for the franchise. And finally, last but not least, um, the Mets today start a four-game series against the Chicago Cubs. Um, we'll take a look at the first three games because um, the next edition of the Metropolitan Report is Thursday. So when we come back Thursday, we'll look at Thursday's game. Um, but the Cubs, they're, they're another good team in the National League East. And with the Phillies uh, chasing us, uh, they're only three games behind us. And they're on fire with all the momentum in the world. They've won four straight. Um, it's imperative that the Mets win these next couple of games. Uh, if we look at the standings, uh, the Cubs, they have something to play for. They're tied for first in the National League Central. Uh, they're tied with Milwaukee. Both teams are 38-27 and 27 coming into today. Um, so there's a lot riding on this series for both teams. Um, the pitching matchup for tonight is Jake Arrieta. Uh, former World Series hero for the, those Chicago Cubs back in 2016. He's going up against our our guy, uh, David Peterson, and I say our guy very loosely. Um, and I've, I've said it before on this program, Peterson's 1-5, 6.32 ERA. Anytime David Peterson starts, I, I get very nervous. Um, Arietta is not the same as he was. Uh, on the Phillies, or or he's not the same five six years ago, um, so I I don't know what to make of this 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 matchup, but I think the Cubs will take this one tonight. Um, yeah, um, he's not the same. He's just not the same. Arietta's not the same pitcher, but Peterson is worse. Um, Tuesday night, tomorrow night. Uh, the pitching matchup is Alec Mills, who, despite having a 2-0 record, has an ERA of 6.08. He goes up against Taiwan Walker, who's 5-2 with 2.07 ERA. Wednesday is the big night. Um, Jacob DeGrom is on the hill 
as long as his flexor tendonitis that ailed him Friday that got him pulled from the game doesn't uh, flare back up. If all is well and he could throw a bullpen session uh, tonight um, to, to test out that arm, he, he's going to be on the mound. And uh, the Cubs haven't announced who their starter for that game is going to be. Um, so it remains to be seen there. And then uh, even though I said the next edition of the report is Thursday, the pitching matchup is interesting because the Cubs are sending out the 8-4 and four Kyle Hendricks against the Mets 6-4 and four Marcus Stroman. Um, the Mets need to, at worst-case scenario, split this series with the Cubs. Uh, if they win the series and take at least three games, great, but they need, at minimum, a split. Again, the Philadelphia Phillies are only three games behind. They are winners of their last four. They swept the Yankees. Um, this weekend, uh, they pummeled on the Braves earlier in, uh, uh, last week. So absolutely, um, they're hot. They have the momentum, they have the hot hand and, uh, the Mets, especially after yesterday's loss, they got to bounce back and find some way to, uh, stay on top in the division. Of course, um, the, the Cubs, they're, they're hungry. They're, for a team that said at the beginning of the season that they're going to go in rebuilding mode, they're clearly not playing like a rebuilding team. Uh, so again, they're tied for first in the central with the Brewers. So everybody involved has something to play for. And at this point, I've said all that there is to say. And the only thing left to say is let's go Mets.